0: Hey, friends. Due to the sensitive nature of this content, some names have been removed from this recording. Also, this episode is labeled as explicit as we will be discussing domestic violence. This episode is not suitable for children. Please listen with care. There and welcome to Ridiculously Imperfect.
1: I'm Emily. And I'm Kelsey. Each week we share life stories while embracing our imperfections.
0: Life is messy enough. Why not laugh along the way? On this podcast, we embrace life's chaos through authentic conversation. You never know if you'll laugh
1: or cry, and neither do we. Join us in being ridiculously imperfect. welcome back everybody hello hello the ridiculously imperfect ladies <laughs> you
0: said it right <laughs> i had to slow it down a bit
1: <laughs> but we're so excited to be back today and yes. back in the podcast room we, we hope are. everybody caught last week's episode with our families yes and, and our little trivia bit we did off site and the our, things that our kids said yeah. were
0: just something
1: yep <laughs> <laughs> there is a lot of kind of like we cringed a little bit. Yep. We're like, you know what? Sure. This did. is just the ridiculous life we live. Yep. And the honesty and uh you know, kids do say the darnest thing. So yes, they it was do. a lot of fun. <laughs> um, we hope you all enjoyed and got some laughs out of that as well. Yep. But we are for sure shifting gears today. Yes. Um, and preparing for a very special guest um, in celebration of Domestic Violence Awareness Month. Yep. Here in October. This has kind of been in the making for over a year. We talked about this not long after we started. Um, And our dear friend said it's time. And she was so ready to, and just, um, I don't know, with grace and all the things, was ready to come forward and share for um, our listeners. Yeah. So.
0: It, so, this is obviously a very sensitive topic. Yes. I think I I would dare to say that we haven't done anything quite this sensitive. Right. I mean, it's been... Actually, that's not true. We talked about race a lot, too. So, yeah. I'm like, it, it's been a while, but mm-hmm. I guess probably this season. So, if you are a newer listener and you did not catch us back in season one, we have tapped into all sorts of really heavy topics, of course. Yes. But this one, um, it was... It's, Heavy, heavy, really heavy. personal and yeah. personal. And, and you know, the thing that I we kind of talked about this off mic, but you know, this is somebody's life here that we're talking about. It's mm-hmm. not a movie, it's not something the latest thing on Netflix. It is their real personal and just their their experience. Gosh, yeah, <laughs> we were kind of at a loss of words after right. it was for, done, and then yeah, I think we're real. still a little stunned. Um, but there is so much power in sharing our stories and and so we say all this to also say you know domestic violence if this is a trigger for you please mm-hmm. listen with, with caution um or don't listen at all like we've we've said this on many other topics where if this is not healthy for you to hear this right now please don't worry about listening and keeping up to date with our ridiculousness like if if it's not like we just want you to listen in health.
1: Yes, absolutely. So,
0: um this is it you know, is very personal and we're so thankful that she came on and shared her story. Um I do want to share a little bit more so about um National Domestic Violence, Violence Awareness Month was uh first declared in October of 1989. And so, according, and I'm on the website, the National Child Traumatic Stress Network. And so, I wanted to share some statistics because, um, you know, it's one of those things that doesn't get talked about a super Mm -hmm. lot. And I think there's so much more of it than what a lot of people are aware of. So, on here, on their website, it says, Although there has been substantial progress in reducing domestic violence, an average of 20 people are physically abused by intimate partners every minute. 20 people every minute. Wow. This equates to more than 10 million abuse victims annually. One in three women and one in four men have been physically abused by an intimate partner. And one in five women and one in seven men have been severely physically abused by an intimate partner. Millions of Americans live in daily silent fear within their own homes. But um, we just wanted to like Kelsey said, we've been talking about this for a very long time and we've known her story for a long time, but she hasn't widely shared her story and Mm. we're honored and humbled that she told us it's time. Um, but I just, you know, listen, listen with caution. If this is appropriate for you to hear right now, we are splitting this into two parts Mm -hmm. because it's, it's heavy people and like so much beauty in this story absolutely so much pain and resilience like it's just every single possible emotion you're gonna feel it yeah (laughs) so um we yeah like i said we're splitting this into two parts so this week is part one and we wanted to make sure that this landed within october because we wanted to highlight the awareness around this and then part two will be next week So
1: absolutely. And we will also share resources. Yes. um, On our socials. um, If you find yourself in a similar situation or um, needing an outlet to reach out for help. um, Yeah.
0: Some resources for that as well. Absolutely. So. All right, friends. Well, listen with care. And here she is.
1: All right, so we welcome into the podcast room today our beautiful friend Lisa. Hello. hello. Thank you for joining yes. us. So I'm so to happy you. to
2: be here.
0: So uh, excited. We're so
1: excited to have you. We're so
0: excited to have you. We've been talking about this for a very, very long time. <laughs> yeah. so I was going to say, if not a year, maybe. Probably. Yeah. Yeah, because mm-hmm. yeah, it was close to when we started, which we're coming up on a year. Mm-hmm. So exciting. Uh, but... This is really random, but it popped up on my phone. Did you know it's National Pizza Month? I did not know that. <laughs>
1: I didn't know that either, but that sounds lovely. So now that's maybe, maybe we need to dinner. have pizza.
2: <laughs> we had Spin Pizza last night, and Ooh, their spin. buffalo chicken pizza, I think it's my favorite of any other place I've ever had, had that pizza. Really?
0: Absolutely oh. delicious. I'm going to have to tell Jacob because he loves buffalo chicken. Oh, well, there you go. And it on pizza. That sounds
2: delicious. (laughs) It was really, really, really good.
0: I love their, um, like, white sauce that they use on their pizza, which neither of you probably ever use. I was
2: going to say, is that the one that's on the pesto? No, right? Mm -hmm. On the pesto?
0: I don't know, because I don't ever order anything with Red sauce, because <laughs> so, I am the weirdo. Me, no, but I don't
2: like red sauce either. It's so. nas-
0: national pizza month, <laughs> <laughs> so like, God, get already? yourself some pizza, oh folks. Oh my gosh! <laughs> which, yeah, so this—it's uh, October, and October is um, also an awareness month for something else, which is why mm-hmm. we've asked you to come today to talk with us, and we're just so thankful that you are bravely sharing with us because we initially when we wanted to reach out to you, we were like, okay, well, we don't, we don't want to like trigger you or (laughs) upset you or, you know, it's kind of similar when we reach out to anyone, um, you know, not everyone's willing to talk. And that's okay. There's absolutely no shame or issue with not wanting to share your story whatsoever. And so, we're just so, so, so thankful that you're here. But can you, before we get into too much of the of your story. Uh, Mm -hmm. will you just tell us a little bit about yourself?
2: Yeah. So I am, um, hold on. I forgot. I'm 35. (laughs) I'm 35. Uh, I'm 35 and I consider myself a bi national bi cultural lady, which is amazing. Um, I was born in Paraguay in South America. For those of you who don't know, that is between Argentina and Brazil um just the little it's the little kansas of um, <laughs> south america that's what i tell people that's when i'm, I'm here because it? I love that. Yeah. it's what it is and people are like oh now i understand yeah um so i was born there moved here when i was five years old and started kindergarten in a little teeny tiny town called burlingame kansas <laughs> i know where that it's, is i was like do you nobody knows where it is because I think maybe it has two thousand people now. Yeah, it's smaller than my hometown. Yeah, so I started kindergarten there. Uh, didn't speak a lick of English, <laughs> and but luckily, I um, just assumed that everybody wanted to talk to me and be my friend, <laughs> and so I learned in like three months. Like three That's months, amazing. I was speaking English. Yeah, my That's sister, so cool. who was in the like you know the pre K program, um, she didn't speak for a year. And so I just accompanied her everywhere. (laughs) It was so cute. Um, But we started school here. And so that's why you you, like, I feel like I have an accent in when I speak Spanish. Some people will tell you that I don't, but I know for a fact I do. I think (laughs) in English. Um, but as you guys know, like I'm just a spanglishy person. Like mm-hmm. I, I need to speak both. <laughs> um,
1: <laughs> That's so, what I love, though. Like yes. we'll be in conversation, and then le- it'll just transition from English to begin in Spanish. <laughs> yes. and then we look at it. We're like. Honey, uh, yeah. you're gonna have to re- <laughs> rephrase that, restate that
2: for but us. But the reason why I do that is so that I can rephrase it. Because oh, if okay. I don't say it in Spanish, I don't feel like I have expressed what I wanted to say. Okay. And so mm. then I'm once I hear it in Spanish, I'm like, okay, well, so how would I explain this in English? And then I can kind of get the that makes sense. Yeah. And so I've been like that since forever. It all um, sounds better in Spanish anyway. It does. <laughs> I love yeah. listening to
1: it.
0: and um, I, I love the moments when you guys are going back and forth in Spanish and then Jacob pops in and you're like, oh, I forgot. He I spoke know, Spanish." Like, Dang it. I not, can't say he that. He does not speak it well. I, <laughs> I want to throw that disclaimer <laughs> out there. He thinks he's better at it than he actually is. But, you know, I think that's Jacob in most things. He has a very high confidence level. <laughs> I was going to so, say,
2: because he yeah. he's always like, oh, see. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's
0: so funny.
2: Okay, so, um, so, yeah, I'm one of four. I'm the oldest of four, actually. Um, I've got two sisters and a brother. My parents were divorced when I was seven. My dad remarried another Paraguayan lady. Um, maybe like a year later. And your dad was Caucasian. Yeah, super, like (laughs) redhead as they come, and um, like white freckles, Mm -hmm. gorgeous man, I love my dad, and um, my mom is like very Latina, like brown, brown skin, dark black hair, like pretty much black eyes, Um, and so that's how you get me, (laughs) and we lived, we lived in Burlingame for about a year, then we moved, and we grew up in Topeka, Kansas. I moved to Kansas City um, when I was twenty, I believe. It was um, right after I got married mm. the first time. Okay. Um, and so I moved here when I yeah I was twenty because at when it was Shawnee Mission Medical Center. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, I forgot what it's called now, but uh, I had her there in Merriam, Kansas. Wow. So, that's where Danica was born. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. Was she in the NICU too? She was. Aww. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> she was. I I Gosh. treasure my time at the NICU. Um I was 20 years old. I didn't know anything about being a mom, and they were so kind to me. They taught me everything. Yeah. They made me feel less scared. They made me feel like I was like going to be an awesome mom and I'm yeah. like Are you sure? I don't th- I don't think I am, but They
0: were so wonderful. Um, I agree that I, so she was there for two weeks, and Jacob had to go to the University of Farmers and, like, could not miss this trip. And he couldn't reschedule oh. it due to, uh, I don't know, it had to be something to do with being an agent and having to f- complete this training. And so, those ladies were, like, my people yes. <laughs> through that time frame. And I was a year older than you, so I was 21, and knew nothing about, I mean, I didn't even know when I was going into labor that you're supposed to push when you contract. I didn't even know that. So, like, there's simplistic <laughs> okay, I didn't things know that, either. <laughs> that I didn't even know. And they were so encouraging to me and, like, my, the The trial and error of pumping and then having to transition to nursing from pumping for two weeks alone. And, oh, they were just lovely ladies. Like, they they made that – that was the highlight of that experience other than, you know, my daughter coming out of it healthy. But it could have been so much more horrific. I mean, it was already pretty scarring anyway. But, yeah, those ladies were – I agree. uh, Walking angels. I agree.
2: Yeah. And um, kind of to tie into what we're going to talk about, I was kind of alone – during that birthing experience, because my then husband was on the phone with like his family in South America and I was scared and I was by myself and um, the nurse that helped me birth her, um, I hadn't felt that safe in like a year And she like held my hand and she was like, you can do this. You can do this. You're going to have a beautiful baby. She's going to be healthy. Everything's going to be okay. Mm. And I was like, (laughs) I think I fell in love with her (laughs) because I was like, yeah, you know, just staring at her just in gratitude. So I was like, I'm going to be okay. Yeah. Oh, God knew you needed her. Yes. Yeah. I will never forget her. I remember like her eyes, her her hair, how long it was, you know, her color of scrubs, like everything. Oh, I love that lady. I love that. So, she was <laughs> she was bound and determined to come. But on the other hand, um this is like a pet peeve of mine. Now, um but that baby saved me. Like she was born that day and from that minute that she came here, she just saved me. It took a while, <laughs> but that's what I feel, especially because of everything that um led up yeah to her and I would never um you know want the reason why it's a pet peeve of mine when people say like that their kids saved them is because. I feel like that's a little bit of a burden on the kids. (laughs) It's probably pressure. Right. Um, And so I, but there's no other way to put it for me in that situation. And so um, my daughter, that's how my daughter, um, she's 15 now. She's a 15 year old. Um, And so that was 15 years ago. And... um, it, it, it was actually 10 years ago this month that what's it yes it was 10 years ago this month that um i told him we were gonna get a divorce <laughs> so lots oh of gosh. anniversaries
0: this so month. many things in october like that's wow and okay. National Pizza oh, Month. Yes, and National Pizza Month. <laughs> <laughs> I have so many questions. I'm sure you do, too. I'm like, oh, my gosh, I have this and this. But I, before we move out of that part of the story in the hospital, did the nurses have any awareness of, like, obviously the one made you feel really safe? And I'm not saying it's on nurses to identify mm-hmm. abuse <clears throat> or anything like this. But I don't know if
2: I just looked like, you know, this, like firstborn bambi person (laughs) because i i think they just showed me compassion immediately Mm -hmm. and so i was so scared you know i was just so scared and i don't i don't know if that had anything to do with why they never asked um of course i was not ready at that time to tell and they even they do give you the papers like do you feel safe at home Mm -hmm. oh yeah (laughs) um And that's something that, you know, um, abuse survivors have learned to just become expert liars, expert liars, because you look at it and you know that you're lying, but it doesn't seem as though it's that big of a deal. Mm. You look at it and you don't see like hope or a way out. You just look at it as another thing I have to lie about. Mm.
1: It doesn't feel like something in that moment of possibly help on the other side, you mean? Correct. Or that it would even be something you would be ready to accept or go to if they were to bring that up and to Correct. talk about it?
2: Correct. Wow. Especially, like, you know, I had been married to him. Um, we got married in May 2006. So it had been a little over a year. And... um And so, I I don't know. Like, I thought that having a daughter would birth compassion Mm -hmm. in him. Mm -hmm. Because you know how, like, sometimes people think that, especially narcissistic people, if there is an extension of themselves, they have this, like, um like oh that's part of me and mm-hmm. I'm gonna take care of it and um so that's what I thought that the solution was is that she is born she is part of who he is you know part of him and maybe that will fix
1: it so you kind of had hope for him oh yeah and, and for yourself that things would change yes
2: yeah as soon as she was born because she's like, you know a princess like you mm-hmm. she's your princess like you have this sweet little angel baby and you think that and you see you know the dad loving on this little baby and you're like oh okay like you it's hard to comprehend how someone can love and hurt right because they don't same time those two things don't go together correct that's just does not feel like a natural pairing correct and like in all of us that are in our right minds um, feel that and know that and I mean I know that you've probably I mean we're all married here we've probably gotten irrationally angry at our husbands but for whatever reason we don't go there right yeah. we can't mm-hmm. go there I mean maybe we can but I just think that there's this line of where certain people they just yeah, yeah. cross over Wow. Okay.
0: So, this, you talking about that paper, I didn't even think about that in that, as someone who has never been in that position that you've been in, I've always viewed it as oh my gosh, what an amazing and incredible way for them to confide in someone and maybe do it to where it's a little, has some discretion to it versus like telling a friend. And not long ago, I was at a clinic where they needed a urine sample. And they had um, black jars and red jars, uh, like the lid to the jar. So they, you know, because they, you have to break the seal. So mm-hmm. it's a right. sterile sample, mm-hmm. whatever. And there was a, in caps on the wall, I took a picture. It said, um, use a black one if you feel safe at home. Use a red one if there's anything that's going on at home. That sort of thing. Yeah. And I thought that was so incredible and amazing. But it never registered with me how... Like you probably didn't even have to think longer than a second to just say, "Yeah, I feel safe at home," because you had been in this place for some time, and like you said, expert liar, like you just knew that this is. A, yes, I feel safe at home. Like, yes, yeah.
2: yeah, and I, I don't, um, I, I think that they're important because it's just like every single thing that helps somebody. You never know when somebody is right there. Like, teetering on their breaking point, Mm -hmm. and that is what's going to save them. Yeah, Mm -hmm. absolutely. You don't know that. And it's worth every lie Mm -hmm. that you have to get to get there. Yeah. It's worth Mm -hmm. it. And so, but just looking at a different perspective for why they aren't used more, I guess. Mm -hmm. I like that,
1: too. Now, I think they do more than just the form. Mm Mm-hmm. Doctors' offices and places are using different types of methods, more mm-hmm. discreet. That the men would never see that sign, right? And they don't see the cup that you're right. Yeah, your because in. they can't go
0: in there with you right? to the bathroom. So, so that
1: offers a more discreet, private um, way for for women to do that. Um, and so I think there are more things like that, um, and hopefully, to more education and preparation mm-hmm. being done for nurses and just personnel working in those situations yeah so that if they were to receive the black or mm-hmm. the whatever one was i think you know, it was red red um they have like okay this is what we do next right <laughs> mm-hmm. um i think that's progressing and coming absolutely a long yeah. way so i love that what you just said though having all those opportunities because you never
2: know when the person is gonna check yes. Finally, yeah, right? So You just don't know. You don't know the same way as as a person experiencing these things. You think that you reach your limit every time, um, mm-hmm. until something it just snaps mm-hmm. and it's over. This that was it. That was the last time. And like, there's oh. no way to teach someone that, right? It it comes from within yourself. Um, What happens, what ends up happening is, a lot of the time, is that some women don't get that chance. Mm -hmm. They don't recognize um, the severity of the escalations. Um, And they just don't get that chance. Yeah. So. Oh, okay.
0: So I want to, if you're okay with it, can we go back to dating? Mm-hmm. So pre marriage.
2: Yeah. So can you tell us a little bit about that? Yes. So this is super bizarre. And I never recommend this to anyone. So, anyone who's listening, do not let your children date long distance, it's not necessary. <laughs> Anyways, so. I when I was 15 years old, 15 years old, the same age that my daughter is. Oh my god, right now. Um I go on one of my uh annual trips to Paraguay. Um my dad is a pastor and a missionary and um there was a church camp, like a big big church camp. Um so we go with him, we go to the church camp and I meet my ex-husband um i meet him there super super charming person very charming Mm -hmm. um funny like he was just like a magnet and um i have always been like pretty outgoing and i have always been super flirty um and so we just connected um And then, he starts following me around. We're doing this, like, church tour, and he starts following me around (laughs) to these different cities. And to me, I was like, oh my gosh, that's so romantic. You know, I'm 15, I don't know anything. And, you know, now I'd be like, that's really weird. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Like, weird. Um, So... He starts following me around and, um, we're talking, we talk a lot, um, you know, he gets me these, like, what now I know is love bombing, um, at the time I didn't know that. What's love bombing? So, love bombing is when somebody makes you feel so super duper loved with, like, basically an excessive amount of quote-unquote love. Like, for example, um... I'll give his example. Like, he would just compliment me nonstop, tell me how I made him feel, like, amazing. He would give me, like, tons of, like, teddy bears, flowers, chocolates, following me around everywhere, Mm. making me feel like I was, like, it. Like, the most beautiful, most wonderful thing in the whole world. And what makes it love-bombing versus just, like, liking somebody is uh like the excessive amounts of kind of pressure it's like a lot it's hmm. a lot and is it is it intended
0: to be a manipulation tactic to get you to yes and no
2: so yes by a self-aware individual no by a not self-aware individual but they're both narcissists ah okay so a narcissist can be self-aware um they just choose to uh live through their tendencies versus mm-hmm. what's right or wrong okay so um you know we all have tendencies it's our natural human humanity mm-hmm. um it's but it's whether you live by them or not right so like for example like something innocent like you've always had a tendency to be late like for whatever reason you can't help it or somehow something always comes up and you're always late that's your tendency so in order to like get past that you would have to i don't know set an alarm get ready 30 minutes before like do all these different things to combat that tendency that you have Mm -hmm. to be late to things and um, with narcissists there are narcissistic people that have that tendency but if they fight it if they learn, if they heal, if I mean, there's a lot that goes into it. You know, they can be among the rest of us and mm-hmm. not hurt anybody. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but then there's the ones that are not self-aware and everything they do is destruction. What? And it doesn't even have to be abuse. It's just yeah. destruction. Because narcissism is um, the love of oneself over everything else. Yeah. And that's just not... I mean, I guess I just don't see how that would benefit, (laughs) you know, the type of world that we live in.
0: Yeah.
2: Um, Was he 15, too? No, he was 19.
0: Wait, why was he at a youth? Was it a youth church camp or was it it like youth
2: and families? Oh, okay. He went with his little sister who was, I don't know, I forgot, but younger than me. Maybe she was 10. Mm. something like that so he goes with his little sister and his parents and of course um when you're like a missionary's kid like everybody wants to go see the gringo the yankee the that's what they call him like the white guy you know uh-huh. <laughs> everybody wants to go see him and so um we drew a big crowd that time so he comes follows me around everywhere um how long were you there like how long a month. did this play over okay
1: so that's oh, a significant wow. amount of time yeah, yeah. Right. and when you're develop. 15
2: yeah yeah and um you know and i was just such a sucker like i i grew up listening to like luis miguel um you'll have to look that up like super romantic songs like i was in la la land my whole life practically like you're a romantic like that's just like super romantic she, yeah. like i and i'm i'm still like that but um just smarter now and um <laughs> And so I was like, "Oh my gosh, this guy is like in love with me. Like he thinks I'm the greatest thing ever. He did all these like romantic gestures that I've never mm-hmm. had done before by by my little Kansas white boys. You know, <laughs> like they they do that. And so he convinces me that we can have a relationship through email. And back then it was AOL and <laughs> I know Um, And so, we start emailing each other. And we continue. And, like, I still have, like, my freshman year where I'm just kind of, like, live, Like, I wasn't, like, committed or anything. But eventually, like, the emotional aspect where we would, like, write each other and stuff, it just got stronger. My dad was heavily opposed to this. (laughs) Um, But anyone who knows my dad knows that he was also, like... Very, he would just kind of like let me try to figure things out. Yeah, and um, when I was 18 years old, I decided I was going to go see him, and he was like, "Lisa, I can't even tell you how opposed to this I am." Mm. Wow. And I was like, "Well, I'm going to do it anyway." So I did. I was 18. I was like, "You can't tell me what to do." I, <laughs> I earned my own money, and I'm going to go. I'm going to go see this guy. So, I go. So, you hadn't seen him since you were 15? No. For three wow. years, you yes. guys
1: talked back and forth in email. hmm And I didn't date anybody. Oh, you didn't? Wow. No. All Did through you, high school then?
2: Mm-hmm. Okay. I didn't go to prom. <coughs> wow. None of
1: that.
2: I went to homecoming, though, because that you can go with your girlfriends. Yes. And um, so, I didn't date anybody. Did you not go
0: to prom because he, he was didn't want you to? Correct.
2: So mm. there were like th- seeds that seeds being
0: planted yes. in you that you were obviously had no where like, I had probably no idea.
2: Um and he like again he was super charming and what he, the things that he would say as compliments made made me fiercely loyal mm. Mm. to him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So 18 is when I kind of cement the relationship. I go down there again excessive amounts of romanticism um you know he would dedicate songs to me um he would sing me songs he would you know take me out places we did all of these things i had like this wonderful time and um and he wanted to get married right then and there and it was the first time
1: you went back to see yes
2: wow and i was like I don't think I can do that. I was like, I, I need to ask my dad. And cause, cause you know, like, you know how you're like at that age, you're kind of torn between like, I'm an adult. Right. And yeah. I'm still, yeah. I'm still a baby, you know? Mm-hmm. Like I was like, I think I need to go back. So I go back and my dad's like, this is a terrible idea. <laughs> um, But I was like, no, he's the one. Like he's the one. He go his, his parents go to church. We met at church camp. Like this has to be like good.
1: Mm. Mm-hmm.
2: That was my eighteen-year-old logic.
1: Do you know at the time in that three years where you guys were emailing and everything, and you didn't date, was he dating, or did you ever know that?
2: Well, I found out later <laughs> that um, I don't think he was as exclusive as I thought. Okay. Um, well, to for what Because sure, he was portraying to you, you're the love of his a life, older. and mm-hmm. right, and he's. I was just super naive. Can I mean, it's almost a
1: way of, like, grooming. In a, yeah, b- in that's a way. what it feels like. Yeah, this
2: love bombing is, like, a form of grooming. Well, and I, I think that if that's, like, if this situation would have happened to my daughter right now, like, her stepdad and I would be all over it. Yes. Yeah. Like, the way that it would be squashed... Uh, I'm not blaming my parents in any way. They tried very hard to, like, reason with me. Um, I was very hostile, very um, mean. I was a mean teenager. And that also translated into direct rebellion. Mm. Direct rebellion. Um, My dad was the wisest, most gentle man. And he tried in every way to get me to understand. My mom, crazy Latina. She screamed at me. She grounded me. She took everything away. She like tried all the things. Um, She called him and told him to break up with me. Oh, wow. So she really did try everything. Oh, she tried everything. Um, And he told her that, no, we're going to get married. And so um, I didn't realize the, which is what grooming is, you don't know what is happening to you, right, exactly, you do not know, and the the level of loyalty that i um created at that time at such a young age is not normal, and that is also another sign um why why are you loyal like this? like what have they done to earn it? yeah, and um. So, okay, so 18, a year later, I worked three jobs, saved up all this money so I could go and start my life. Um, I go and I remember I started kind of seeing through like my rose-colored glasses a couple of times, specifically with his mother. Um, and there was one time... I was sitting out on the front patio and my dad came because my my sweet family like they were so against this like so against it and every single one of them showed up for me anyway Mm. and they because that's
1: what love is yeah right
2: like they I think it was like over ten thousand dollars for everybody to fly down there my my sisters my brother my mom my stepdad my um, dad and my stepmom, everybody, and I was sitting out on the patio, and I I wasn't really reflecting because I didn't know what to think. You know, you're a kid; you don't know. <laughs> um, and I was just sitting there, and my dad was like, "You don't have to do this. Like, we will get on that plane and just go right back home." And I'm like, "Well, no, because like everybody already came." and like spent all this money and he's like it doesn't matter right it doesn't matter please if you don't want to do this in any way please let us take you home and um, I remember that was the first night that I cried myself to sleep because oh. I was like I can't like my family spent all this money I can't. And that was like what bound me to this person is that logic.
1: But um, you also were like torn between two different types of love. Correct. Yeah. Like I didn't know. the illusional one over mm-hmm. here that was like, you know, you had fallen in love with and telling you all the things you wanted to hear and all of that. And then over here, this real love of your family and you're this young girl torn between that
2: right and remember this is my family who was like against it the whole time Mm -hmm. and then for them to like give me a way out I think maybe that kind of went into play as to why I didn't fully like just trust and believe my dad um but and then, up
1: until this point, then, had there been any signs of abuse? No. You hadn't had any experiences with that yet?
2: No. Okay.
1: Um, He would
2: get really jealous, but um, I attributed that to the long distance and the fact that he was a Latino. Mm-hmm. I just thought, oh, well, this is just because of this and this. And it was like, I just thought that that's what it was. Mm -hmm. Um, and so it was like this mix of like love bombing, uh, grand romantic gestures and jealousy. Mm -hmm. So that was it. Mm -hmm. I didn't have any idea what he would be like until we'd been married for six months. And we had gone out to a bar, a karaoke bar, um, and we were driving back home and you know, I'm 19 years old. Um, I'm just a kid, you know? Um, and he didn't like the way that I interacted with some of his friends. And I'm like arguing in the car cause I'm like, are you kidding me? Like I didn't do anything. And so I'm defending myself. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know when we were dating i didn't really have to do that because he didn't see anything and, mm-hmm. right and at that point um i didn't feel like i did anything wrong um and he i remember like i was like arguing 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 standing up for myself which is what i thought and um he he had smacked me on my leg like he's driving so he smacks me on my leg and he says that's enough and i was like Like, exactly like yeah. that. I was like, I uh, what? I I'd, I'd never had that happen to me ever. So, then begins a cycle of um really uh controlling behavior in terms of my like my behavior. trying to control my behavior and um, he would get angry and you know either like for example like if we were going to go somewhere all of a sudden we can't leave like he can't leave I can't leave nobody can leave those kinds of things Um, he would start uh, talking about my clothes about how i looked like a whore like if i wore a certain skirt or if i wore i'll never forget this he i I wore red lipstick one night and he um told me that i looked like a whore dressed up as a clown (laughs) oh
0: my gosh it makes me laugh now. You know why? Because you look amazing in lipstick. Yeah. yeah. And red is like your <laughs> yeah. signature color. I right. was like, yes. like, guess what you I just, did? Yeah. I started
2: wearing red lipstick excessively um, afterwards. But I didn't wear red lipstick for seven years. Or any dark, like bright, you know me. All the colors I yeah. wear. Yeah. Um, didn't wear it seven years. The seven years that we were together. Um because I didn't want to look like a clown whore or whatever. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs>
0: excuse me. I, no, I'm. Beep, beep. I, I'm giggling because, like, what does that even mean? <laughs> and then also, like, to that's just such a terrible thing to terrible say to your, thing to your wife. Your spouse. Yeah. Like
2: I, and I thought that I was. I genuinely thought I was like, holy cow! I don't know how to be married. Like, I was not prepared for this. I didn't know that I was, like, doing it wrong. Mm. I didn't know, you know. And so, I'm, like, trying to learn to be a wife from him. Yes. Because at this
0: point, you probably don't really want to talk to your mom about these things. Absolutely because she was so against not. it in the first
2: place, right? And my and mom would like... have said, I
0: told you <laughs> yeah. so. And there's yeah. probably pride involved because I know, like with a lot of things and especially in that frame of mind when I was younger that you don't want to go back to your parents and say you were right. Absolutely not. You don't, you don't want to bring them a problem that they're going to immediately be like, well, this is why I told you not to do that. (laughs) Especially so soon. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So then you, what about, did you get to talk to friends or were you allowed to have friends? Like,
2: well, I worked, so I worked in Paraguay and I made these two incredible friends. We're still friends actually. Um, and I remember the, uh, it was about a week before we were going to move back to the States. And they took me out to get coffee. And I, we go out to get coffee. And my then husband walks right past us with another girl. We're sitting there having coffee and he like walks past the And, you know, he's got his his arm around, you know, like the... It's very relaxed, like very friendly, Mm -hmm. the way that like, I mean, it wasn't like romantic per se, but definitely something that I absolutely would never have been allowed to do. Yeah. And so I'm staring. And he doesn't see you there. He does not see us. And so I'm like, I think I'm just going to leave him here. That's what I thought. I was like, I think I'm just going to leave him here.
1: In Paraguay? Yes. Okay. Like, so, that, like, I, I'm going I made a States. little plan.
2: Okay. I was like, I'm going to leave him here. And then the thoughts come back. And I'm like, okay, well, I already told my parents that we were going. And, like, I'm married now. I'm supposed to stay married. I just got to work through this. Maybe, maybe, it's, maybe it's the culture. Maybe if we just move to the States, like, he'll see like all the American guys are not like this and he'll change. Mm -hmm. So we move. um, How long were you in Paraguay? A year. Okay. About a year.
0: Um, And really quick, I want to circle back to the wedding thing. So when your dad talked to you, that was the night before your wedding. Yes. And whenever, um, and you said you cried yourself (laughs) to Mm -hmm. sleep. Like, so uh, with that, I, what I can only hope for every, young kiddo who has loving parents is that there can be a vulnerable conversation like that Mm -hmm. because I know my I'm pretty sure my dad offered that to all of us kids before we got married like not because of probably the reason your dad offered it but just that you don't have to do this if this is not what you want to do like you're never you're not in too deep even though like I'm about to walk you down the aisle like if this isn't what you want I'll fix this, like I'll, you know what I mean. And I just, I love that you're down. Any of us would do that. Oh, absolutely. Mm -hmm. And who cares? Like because you know, money, forget about it. Because I would, I know any of us would put our kids' happiness and and their safety and all of that ahead of any type of deposit or this and that. And so, I just, I wanted to circle back to that really quick because I wanted to clarify that was your wedding. So, um, so you obviously had an amazing bond with him, but you, okay, so you get married, you're there for roughly a year. year. And what prompted the move to come back? Were you just done living there?
2: No, Um, I got pregnant. Um, I got pregnant and then I realized, I was like, I can't live here. Mm. I can't live here with my... Uh, with the my in-laws they were awful um, specifically my mother-in-law um, she was just absolutely horrific to me and I thought I can't bring a baby to this like mm. I will become a slave like I had I did have I wasn't all the way stupid <laughs> like I did have you know thoughts where I tried to do the right thing yeah <clears throat> Um. we did lose that baby uh, I had a miscarriage nine weeks in, but I had already like convinced him. And so I was like, I'm getting out of here. Uh. And so that's what prompted the move. Even though there was no baby, um, the I had already convinced him. And I was like, we are getting out of here. And back at that time, you could just go and take your marriage certificate to the American Embassy and get your marriage like legalized, and so you didn't have to do any kind of paperwork. Like, wow. You know, <laughs> yeah, oh, my gosh. Yeah. And now, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's like nothing compared to now. Yeah, you go, you get your marriage legalized, and that makes them eligible to come as res- residents. Okay. That was back then. You know, my legal advice now is don't do that. You can't do that. <laughs> you cannot, you can no longer do that.
0: Um,
2: so, but with, okay, so
0: that miscarriage was, I guess I have a question if there was any abuse that might have no. triggered that or that just was like, what happened?
2: You just no, it was a, um the baby had uh trisomy 18, which is like a genetic oh, yeah. thing. Yeah. Yeah. It's just a genetic. I know like, about that. Yeah. Yeah. It's just that. I think that was just God's way of um, not giving me more than I could handle.
1: Mm.
2: So then
0: you really quick before you move, you you're in the car about five months married and he slaps your leg. Mm-hmm. And obviously that just takes you aback because <clears throat> that had, hadn't happened before. How long before after that? So how long after that was then the next time that you were It was the night after our welcoming party when we moved here. So that was the only thing that had happened up like physical, physical only yes. physical thing cuz obviously he had all sorts of emotional games with you for yes. a very long time. Um but so then he that it happened there in the car after the bar that night and then you said you were there roughly a year. So, many months had gone by. Yeah. And he had not done, he had not laid a hand on you. Correct.
2: No physical and okay contact. Okay. Um, until we move. Okay. We move here. Um, my mom threw us a party. A welcome party. At that party, she invited all of my old friends from high school. A, um, a lot of them were guys. Because... My stepbrother at the time, um, we hung out a lot. And there were just like a big group of guys. So, there was a bunch of guys, um, some of my girlfriends, and my family. And I was so excited to be back. I was like my old self... Um, social butterfly running from person to person just talking and like telling them how it went and like just so excited and um
0: and you hadn't been this person in about a year now correct if not longer
2: so correct okay and so I was just excited I was like I'm back yeah I'm back Mm -hmm. I'm good everything is this is gonna be great this was the best decision ever um I did not notice that my husband was not there until I go to go to bed and he is in bed and I was like oh shoot and I was like hey I was like are you tired you're not feeling good um and then I knew that he was angry and um I said what you know like what happened what is it and he just he got up turned on the light sat on the edge of the bed. I was sitting on the edge of the, the same edge, edge of the bed. And he starts freaking out about how I just left him. He didn't know any English. He didn't know how to talk to anybody. Um, how I was just acting like he didn't exist. And, you know, everything along those lines, over and over and over. And that's when, that was the first time that, um um, uh, what, I saw what I describe as, like, the devil in his eyes. Mm. Like, I kid you not, when they go into this specific state, their eyes, it looks like their eyes are on fire. I'm not even kidding. And I hope that you guys never see that look in anybody, Mm. because it is so scary. Like, even if it's just not aimed at you, but looking at it, it is not godly I can tell you that um and that was the first time and I almost peed my pants because I was like what is happening well I was so scared that I start pleading instead of like arguing I was like I'm so sorry I didn't I didn't realize like I I I was just so excited. I was like trying to explain, like, Mm -hmm. I'm so excited to be home. I was just trying to talk to everybody. And I'm like pleading. And um, that night, he just didn't want to hear any of it. He was so angry. And that was the first night that he choked me. And I don't remember a lot. I don't know if I passed out. I don't know. I don't know. I just remember. I remember the look in his eyes. And I remember that first uh, clasp. And then I remember waking up and I remember I was just shaking. I was like, oh my gosh. And so I went into the bathroom and I cried. And then I looked in the mirror and I didn't have any marks on me. Wow. Nothing. And I was like, that was the first time that the thought, this thought entered my mind. And this was something that I became a prisoner of for many years was, (sighs) nobody's going to believe me. That's what I was Mm. wondering if you were going. Nobody is going to believe me. And so I swallowed it.
1: Were you guys were you at um family where were you guys staying at my mom's
2: So he was he not afraid it. of no. where you were No No That was the first time And so if you like add um domestic abuse is a formula It's never just like one thing It's almost I would say it's never just two things I would say it's three or more things and it's a formula of this plus this, plus this times the number of times or times um, whatever you have to lose or times, you know, whatever. That is what equals a woman who stays. Mm -hmm. That is what equals a woman who stays. And for me, that is the day that I was introduced to one of the elements that caused me to stay is that my body did not produce the the physical evidence of that abuse.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And so I felt like no one would believe me. The first time I had that urge to tell somebody and I was looking at myself in the mirror because I was like, because you're in shock. You're like, you can't believe that that happened to right. you. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I don't have anything on here. Like, nothing and so it just made i that is when i created that prison um because of that and uh, when we moved to kansas city um he he it just progressed like he it became not at that point not more violent but more often Mm. so now um if i argue too much it would earn something. Or if I didn't do this, it would earn something. Or, you know, it could be anything. Um, It would earn something. And every time, I would have nothing to document. And I remember one time I was in our apartment, and I called the pol- the non-emergency police number. Um, and I said, hey, what do you guys need? Like, what do you guys need? To, like, arrest somebody. And she was like, well, we would need physical evidence. And that that time, I had called because um he, what he did was he, with an open palm, he, he had smacked me like this. But I had ringing in my ears for, like, two hours. And uh. I was like, oh, I don't know. I feel like that's not normal. And... That's all it was. And I'm like, how do I prove that mm-hmm. that my ear is ringing? And so I'm like, you know, like searching my yeah. face for something. Um and so I called the the line and she was like, "Well, we have to have physical evidence." And I was like, "What do you mean? Like a bruise or something or like a scratch or a red mark?" And she was like, "Yeah, any one of those." And I was like, "Well, what if what if you don't have anything?" And she's like well, honey, the law can't help you. Mm. Mm. And that was another, you know what I mean? It was the reinforcement that I was never going to get help. Yeah. I was just, like, trapped. I was like, my freaking face doesn't bruise. (laughs) My neck doesn't bruise. My legs don't bruise. Um, I, I can't prove anything. And he, everybody loves him. Mm. By this point, um, everybody had met him. And again, he he can charm the socks off of anybody and everybody. So did your family come around
1: to liking him? Or when you say everybody loved him, was that like your friend group or, yeah, people, yeah, like your community and that you had created?
2: Yes, the community that we had created. So... Um, My mom started liking him. My dad never really liked him. Um, But my dad, again, most supportive person ever. He would do anything to make sure that I was okay. Mm. And so he, you know, of course, he would invite us for dinner and lunch, anything. We'd go do all the family stuff. The rest of my family, like my dad's side of the family, they all loved him. Aunts, uncles, cousins, everybody. Um. And then my mom liked him because, you know, he's a dancer and an entertainer and a singer and um, everybody loved him. I did not have any more access to any of my friends. And so, we we created a friend group together um, with, like, whoever he approved of. Mm-hmm. And so, those people became my friends. and so, Well, my friends, right? And so, we did all these things and... And so taking you kind of back to how I explained how I was always really outgoing, really flirty, really, like, flirty in the sense that, like, I you, I love to hug people and just, like, maybe that's not flirty. But, like, I love to hug people and just, like, be really present, really involved um, in whatever it is that we're talking about or doing, mm-hmm. Um And fast forward to that time, like, um, by this time, I'm like a little bit pregnant. Um, I just was not. I was his wife. And I was um, the quiet one. And I was, you know, the grouchy one. Like, people thought that I was like the grouchy one.
0: Mm.
2: That's how people knew me. That I was like the serious grouchy one. And he was like the fun-loving, hilarious, like talented one.
1: But he had like created, that's exactly what he probably wanted. And he had created that. When you first came back, you were like, I'm back to myself. I'm feeling great about this. And then that incident happened and that completely changed everything.
2: It changed everything. So like you just
1: said, whoever was in that new community was approved by him. Mm -hmm. All those people that gave you that life and that joy and the love your friends were gone. So now he's created this safe space for himself because now there's nobody for you in your circle that, you know, is apart from him.
2: Correct. Which is another form of isolation. Uh, Another form of, of another method, excuse me, that, that abusive people use is they start to create your world. Mm -hmm. And so here I am wearing what I'm allowed to wear, make, putting on the makeup that I'm allowed to put on. Um, And now we're at the next stage, which is having the relationships that I'm allowed to have. Um, I think the reason why my family made the cut is because, you know, the Latino culture is so family centered Mm -hmm. and family focused, like family over everything. Um, And at least he had that to where he didn't isolate me from them. Mm -hmm. But also... I didn't tell anyone. Right. I didn't tell anyone.
1: Was there any point where your family saw that change in you?
2: My sister, my little sister did say something. She was like, why are you like, why do you just let him like take over? And I was like, oh, you know him. He just has a better personality. And that's, you know, another uh, symptom of someone who is in an abusive situation is where they have no concept of Mm self-love. I literally thought that I had no personality. Well, because you're told that.
1: Every, Uh, I mean, the words tell you that, the actions, everything
2: tells you that. The way that I was behind the scenes in everything. Mm -hmm. I thought that that's just who I was.
1: Yeah, And I just, you become a shell- absolutely just almost like a robotic shell Mm -hmm. with nothing inside and yeah yeah Yeah. so then how long and then you said you became pregnant Mm -hmm. so how long did this go on he stopped so for how like at what point did you get pregnant with her
2: how far in were you guys into marriage um well, we got married in May 2000 and not very far. Okay. I think it was like just a little after we got here. Okay. And um she was born October 2007. And so when she was born is kind of like I didn't feel like I was in love with him anymore. Um but again, I am I am so loyal and I'm I, well, I'm not anymore. I was very attached to my sense of duty. Mm-hmm. I'm a Christian. Um, Christians don't get divorced. Mm-hmm. I'm just explaining like my thought process. Yeah, right. um, I'm a Christian. Christians don't get divorced. I am the daughter of a wonderful um, teacher of God. Um, what a failure would I be to my dad? Mm. Um a lot of things like oh my gosh now i have this baby what in the world would i do i don't even know how to be a mom how would i be a mom all by myself yeah and i and and kids need their moms and their dads yeah like who what, what kind of a person just denies that to their child um and those were those were all the things that were going on in my head. And, um, you know, we were just not, like, I just didn't love him. I just didn't. I held on for every other reason besides love. Mm-hmm. Which is what got me there in the first place. Like that, yeah. this grand notion of this fairy tale. And that was gone. And so going from something that, like, um, motivated you, like, to your core, to feeling nothing in, you know, a span of five years, I would say, since we dated.
0: So, the going back to the night that he chokes you, the next morning, does he say anything about it?
2: Yes. He apologizes. Um, I'm so sorry, I don't know what came over me. Um... I've never felt like that before. Um, You know, I just, I felt so alone and you you left me all alone and I just, I just freaked out. And I was like, okay, I'm really sorry that I
0: made you feel alone. Because, you know, now he's the victim. Correct. Mm -hmm. So then you, you know, after he apologizes,
2: are you like, Okay, that was an isolated incident. Like, yes, I did so that. You- I did that for a long time. Mm. I again missing a few screws because <laughs> no. I was like, oh, that was an isolated incident. <laughs> you know, like, because I I rationalized that I was yeah. like, he was all alone. Like, can you imagine coming to a different country and like not knowing anybody and not knowing the language and then like being all alone? Like yeah, that would be hard. That's yeah, be and hard. I would
0: be upset with my significant other if I felt alone. But that's where you talk about like the devil in his eyes of like, and then him saying he's never felt that way before, and obviously like you you physically saw it in him how angry he was,
2: right? And and I think that again, uh, going back to like uh, people's tendencies, I am I have always been since the beginning of time the most empathetic person, and unfortunately. Um, abusive people for whatever reason like we are like drawn to each other empaths Mm -hmm. and people narcissists Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. it just it's what happens yeah and it's because of one's one person's love for themselves um wanting to grab onto the person they know will love them as much as they love themselves Mm mm-hmm because they will always think about how they feel. Mm-hmm. I always thought about how my words, my actions were impacting him. Yep. And that wasn't like a trained thing. That wasn't him through his grooming or through his um, manipulation or anything like that. I, that's just what I did. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh my gosh. and And especially after that incident, I was like, I didn't. I was so excited oh my gosh what was I thinking like thinking about myself who does that like who just thinks about themselves (laughs) well it turns out a lot of people do (laughs) um but I just did not it didn't register to me that um I'm a human being too right and I was experiencing something wonderful too and I can make mistakes too like it's a mistake to make someone to leave someone all alone um, but it doesn't, it didn't warrant what happened. Right. And, but I didn't know that. Right. At the time. I yeah. just didn't know that. I thought that I got what I deserved. Wow. Because I did something hurtful to someone else. Mm. Which is so silly because, I mean, I I was not raised that way. I was not raised that way. Um...
1: But I think that's where the manipulation and the mind games and all of that changes. Like you really are in a way brainwashed Absolutely. to change your way of thinking and everything throughout that whole process, you know, where they you start changing the way you think about yourself and respond and kind of, you know, he had new rules essentially for you and for your life. Um, and subconsciously you don't even know that you're,
2: No, because it's not like you sit down and have a meeting and you have like a list Mm -hmm. with a blackboard that says, these are the new rules of your life. It's like in passing conversation, in like, in a moment of joy, Mm -hmm. even, where you say, where he would say, hey, these people are super fun to be around. Like, don't you have so much fun with them? Mm -hmm. And all Mm -hmm. of a sudden, like our calendar is filled with them. Yeah, And there's, you know what I mean? It's not like, it's not the way that uh, people think it is where you all of a sudden become um, black versus white in terms of like ideas and mm-hmm. and ways of thinking or being. It just slowly like
1: you're kind of like adapting. Yeah. To make it very slowly easier on yourself and just to transition into that because you know that. That would that will please him that maybe that will lessen you know these
2: occurrences, correct? Yeah, correct. And, um, you know, if that if any of this would have happened to me now, or if any of this had the opportunity to happen to me now, um, there's just no way, but not because I'm better than anyone else, but because, um, I know that there's a few key things that I did not have at that time that I possess now. And the biggest one is a love for oneself, Mm -hmm. a love for oneself. When you love yourself, you cannot tolerate um, an injustice against you. You cannot. Like, because you... The same way like that you wouldn't with your children. You, When you see something done to them, you act immediately because you love them so much. It's the same thing. When you love yourself, that comes with self-respect, um, self-care. And loving yourself means that your bells go off and say, whoa, absolutely not. Mm-hmm. But I was just a kid. I was 15 years old when I met him. Yeah. And through
1: that time and up through those 18, 19, Mm -hmm. 20 and all that, that's the time in your life, Mm -hmm. right? Where you're like really finding yourself and that self-love and all of that. And he is the one that became your teacher
2: in that because you, yeah. Right, exactly. And so it was during formative years and I was formed into... um. You know, a a very selfless, sacrificial, um, just a very meek person, very meek, um, no personality, because I was just, you know, and I knew in the back of your head, you kind of know, because you're like, why do I feel like I can't do this? So, you know that something is off, but you just don't know. It's been so long, you don't know how to fix it. You don't know mm-hmm. how to, like, you don't know anything. You're just in a loop. Yeah.
0: And you mentioning, like, being the meek person or being um, the angry wife or mean or not mean, but I can't remember what you like said. The like the grumpy one. The grumpy one, yeah. Mm-hmm. It That actually just kind of, like, got my wheels turning about when you do meet couples like obviously you never know what's going on behind closed doors ever but just that you know it's easy for us to make assumptions about people of like oh he's the fun one and how do they end up together because she's you know so grumpy um how'd she get him yeah like that's Mm. that's a like almost a scary thing not that we should always assume what's going on but just that 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 was truly your story that there was horrific things going on behind closed doors and it had shaped you into this person that you wouldn't naturally be
2: correct correct and if you met me in the last you know five years or so you would just be like what like you just wouldn't think that that's who I was if you've met me in the last five years yeah all right. Well, this is a good place for
0: us to take a break. But yeah, yeah. when we come
1: back, we'll talk about your journey into that self love. Yes. Right?
0: Yeah. Oh, can't so wait, wait to hear, hear more. All right. Be right back. Okay, friends. So that was just some really incredible stuff with Lisa. Yes. Oh, my gosh. It's, oh, we are so appreciative of her sharing, but with everything that, we discussed with her we decided that we were going to split this up to a part one and part two yes um just
1: it's worthy of the time and the space for that for her to share her whole story and so um the second um second part (laughs) part one and part two second part will be coming out um next week yes um and so be sure to stay tuned um to hear about the next part of her journey and, and the
0: healing yes absolutely you really do not want to miss this i know we say that a lot because we love the content that we're spewing (laughs) out but we just i i really strongly encourage you you know if this is something that you can hear in a safe space then uh you don't want to miss it because it's it's such a beautiful beautiful story so uh that is it for today's episode but we will be back next week yeah yeah so, um, tune in and in the meantime, take care of yourself.
1: Yes. Um, and if anything, uh, today so far has resonated with you and Lisa's story, um, we are thinking of you praying for you. Yes. And if you, um, need someone to reach out to, we are always there by email, um, or our socials, um, and can help, you know, as much as we can to connect you with resources right. too. So, Absolutely. um, yeah just take care and yes. until next time keep, keep it ridiculously ridiculous. imperfect
0: Thanks for listening to Ridiculously Imperfect. Become a member of our Ridiculously Imperfect lifestyle by visiting us on Patreon. Sign up and receive special member-only benefits. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Ridiculously Imperfect Podcast.
1: If you love what you've heard, please give us a review and a five-star rating. Your reviews make
0: our hearts smile. This podcast is produced by Emily Eaton and Kelsey Foster. Our sound engineer is the one and only Isaac Moreno with Kingdom Comes studios until next time keep it ridiculously imperfect